that man's rule and reign is ever so short. That brings you to the conclusion in verse 35 that Nebuchadnezzar gave. <clears throat> and he said, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. In the grand scale of God's eternity, man's little while on some throne, it's just as nothing. He comes, he goes, and he can be forgotten, and his mark in the earth is so very little. Do you get that tonight? Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher, and we've been looking at Daniel chapter 4. This experience of Nebuchadnezzar cast down, cast out of the kingdom, and uh, reduced to eating grass with the wild beasts. And then he is restored. His senses return after a period of time. And I want to read to you the record from Daniel chapter 4, on the sense of Nebuchadnezzar returning. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation." And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? At the same time, my reason returned unto me for the glory of my kingdom. Mine honor and brightness returned unto me. And my counselors and my lords sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth, and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase." What a statement from what was formerly a proud pagan king. He was brought to a census. He recognized his rebellion to God and his need to bow the knee and submit to the God of heaven. What a change in his life was wrought and what glory he gave unto the Lord and recognizing that he was a proud man whom God humbled, and he was now giving his heart and his honor unto the Lord. What a tremendous story, and what a call to you and me today to turn from the pride of this world and to give our hearts and minds to know, to worship, and to serve the Lord of heaven and earth, the God and Father 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I call you today to this message of Nebuchadnezzar. Take heed, and may the Lord speak to your heart through his word today. You think of the Apostle Paul when he was converted, when he was a proud Pharisee persecuting the church. He was on a mission to Damascus to uproot the Christians, to imprison them, persecute them. But the Lord stopped him. That light from heaven shone, and he fell to the ground. And it wasn't long until he was crying out, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? There is the mark of the humility and the repentance that God will hear and God will bless. I wonder, have you been brought to that point in your life? For some people, God has to take away everything, just have to strip them bare. They have to be brought right down, staring into poverty or into eternity with the news that they're not going to live very long. And then they recognize that they're not in control. And yet, man's nature is so proud. Man by nature is so boastful. And he plans for tomorrow. Whereas the book of James tells us that we are to not boast of tomorrow. For we know not what a day may bring forth. And that our life is like a vapor. It vanisheth all so quickly. So don't boast, but break off your sins and seek peace with God. In short term, it means prepare to meet your God. Are you prepared tonight to meet with God? Have you settled the account? Are you in Christ? Are you saved? Can we say of you tonight, that you have learned after being in the school of humiliation that the most high God rules and that you are accountable to him and therefore you have obeyed the gospel and believed in the Lord Jesus. Now the second thing that we learn in this uh, life or school of humiliation that Nebuchadnezzar was in and that is that God's rule is everlasting, not just from generation to generation. Go back to verse 3 of chapter 4, and it says, How great are his signs. Now, signs there simply means works. Now, we need to grasp that in verse 3, Nebuchadnezzar is rehearsing the story after it's all over. He's telling the story from beginning to end in this chapter. And he says in verse 3, how great are his signs or works. See what he did in my life and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. That is in stark contrast to puny man. I did some research. It's very easy these days to do research. You just go on a, on a web browser and you search certain things. But I wanted to look up the length of reign in various world leaders, good and bad. 
First one, bad here, is Adolf Hitler. He boasted that the Third Reich was going to last a thousand years. If you accept that he came to power in 1933, when he uh, won some kind of an election and formed the socialist movement in Germany. His reign ended, of course, in 1945. That's 12 years. 12 years. Alexander the Great, the man who conquered so much of the world that when he ended conquering, he sat down and cried because the world was so small. Well, he came to power around 20 years of age, and died at age 33. There's a debate whether he died of natural causes or whether he was poisoned. But some of the greatest figures of the world, and their reign is ever so short. Then there's Caesar Augustus. His reign was from 27 BC to AD 14. That's 40 years. That's a fair long reign. 40 years on one parliament or palace or kingdom is a, is a lifetime. But then it's over. Then you have Nero, probably the cruelest of the Roman emperors. His reign was but four years. Mao Zedong of China, 22 years. Another viciously cruel man. Joseph Stalin of Russia, 12 years in power. That's it. One of the shortest was William Harrison. He was the first president in the United States to die in the office of presidency. And he died just 31 days after his inauguration. And he died of pneumonia. And so what we call the great world leaders and advocates of power, in comparison to the everlasting God, whose reign goes on generation after generation, take note that man's rule and reign is ever so short. That brings you to the conclusion in verse 35 that Nebuchadnezzar gave. <clears throat> and he said, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. In the grand scale of God's eternity, man's little while on some throne, it's just as nothing. He comes, he goes, and he can be forgotten, and his mark in the earth is so very little. Do you get that tonight? Your life in the great picture of God's history in this world, it's so little. It's like an ant. And maybe when you were driving out of your driveway this evening, you were killing dozens of little ants creeping along your driveway on this hot summer evening. Their life is so tenuous and so short. That's the lesson that Nebuchadnezzar learned. And these are his own confessions out of his own mouth. Man's reign on earth is tenuous. As I mentioned, Alexander the Great may have been poisoned. 
Many Roman emperors were poisoned. Many popes have been poisoned. Their term and office ever so short. But the most subtle thing is that man's reign, man's existence on earth is delusive. We have this innate inner idea of immortality. It'll never happen to me. Oh, it's so sad what I see around me, death and decay everywhere. But it's not going to happen to me. And somehow we convince ourselves, as Nebuchadnezzar did, because he was dwelling in a day of security, there were no wars. He was living in a day of prosperity. He felt very secure in his palace. He was walking probably amongst his guards, and he could see the fortress all around him. He felt ever so secure. And yet, while the words were in his mouth, God smote him, and he lost his mind. He went out as a madman into the fields with the wild beasts. In the 6,000-year history of the world, and in God's mind, the processions of generations of kings have come and gone. Have you ever looked at a chronological chart of the world, world history? I have one of those things at home, and it opens out like an accordion. And it starts with all the great dynasties of the world. There's the Chinese dynasty, there's the Persian dynasty, there's the European dynasty, and the Arab world. And then as history goes on, it gets more and more complicated. And it starts, you know where it starts. Now, this is a secular book put out by a secular publication. And where does it begin? The Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, it begins with civilization no more than, well, when this was written, 5,000 B.C., close enough. Archbishop Usher made it 4,004 years, and I tend to think he's right. I tend to think that he's right on. The world is young. And when you look at the reign of kings and queens and dynasty and nations that have been conquered and fought their way back again to power and to liberty, it's all just a little speck in the great way scales of man, God dealing with men in the world. And God lifts up and God pulls down. And if you meet Justin Trudeau this week, remind him that the Most High God ruleth in the heavens. And all that we are is temporary. The Apostle Paul said, well, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Nebuchadnezzar learned that the hard way. Tonight, God in his grace has brought you under the lesson of this historic figure, that you might humble your heart, that you might bow the knee to Jesus, because one day every knee will bow to him. And if you do not bow to him in this life, you will bow to him at the judgment throne and, oh, to be without a savior.
learn the lesson that God's rule is everlasting. Now look at verse 35, and you'll see that here is really a tremendous piece of theology. It's one of the proof texts that our Westminster Confession of Faith uh, gives on the subject of God's providence. And all the inhabitants of the earth, this is chapter 4, verse 35, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven. Isn't it good to know tonight that God's will is being worked out? even in the seeming chaos of this world. In the army of heaven, that's among the angels, the hosts and the armies of heaven that do the bidding of God. And then it says, and among the inhabitants of the earth. And so as each generation comes and goes, as nations may be born, or nations fall, all is at the hand of God at work. And then we are told in verse 35, and none can stay his hand. One commentator gives the idea in that statement, you know, whenever you're at the table with a hand and the cookie jar is in the middle of the table and the child, instead of eating his greens, wants to get his hand into the cookie jar and you just give it a little spank, a little slap. None can stop the hand of God. What God determines he's going to do, he will do in the earth and he will do with us. We are completely in the hands of God. He will, he has set the day of our death. He has determined the manner of our death. He has determined each day that we live for good or evil. And that's why Christians seek to pray for the will of God to be done, that they be in the center of God's will and do his pleasure because God has a plan. God has a plan. He has a, a path for each of us to walk. And our responsibility is to be right in the center of that path each day. And so we begin every day with prayer. We search the Bible to know God's guidance. He warns us there's a ditch on that side and there's a ditch on that side. And God, by his grace, keeps us walking the narrow way. That's the Christian life. It's the narrow way. The road to destruction is broad, and people think they can go any direction they wish, but it's the way of rebellion. It's the way of defiance. It's the way of sin. The Christian has determined, I must do the will of the Lord. And we cannot question God. His authority is in his own self-existence. He has the right to do this because he's the creator. He was there before the world was created. And he gives us the breath we breathe. Let me read this little verse to you. Your throne eternal ages stood before seas or stars were made. You are the ever-living God 
were all the nations dead, eternity with all its years stands present in your view. To you there's nothing old appears, great God, there's nothing new. Our lives through various scenes are drawn and vexed with trifling cares, while your eternal thought moves on your undisturbed affairs. Learn the lesson tonight. The Most High ruleth among the kingdoms of men in our lives. We know not what tomorrow holds, but our hope is that we know the one who holds the future. Do you know him tonight? Is he your savior? Can you say, I can face tomorrow because I know he lives. I know he lives and he lives within my heart. May the Lord write this word on your heart. If you're not saved, I'd love to be a, a little pointer to you. If you would like me to talk to you, pray with you, feel free, even sit in your seat while others go and I'll come and we'll talk together. Let's close in prayer tonight. Father, we thank thee for the amazing story of Nebuchadnezzar's dealing with his pride. Oh, Lord, have mercy on us tonight. Thank you for those who have new hearts, that you have given us a heart like unto the heart of the Savior. Oh, Lord, we pray that you will, by your grace, lead us to true humility. Bring sinners to sit at the feet of Jesus, to trust him, to rest in him, and to rejoice in him. O oh Lord, bless each head and heart bowed. Save the lost. Encourage your people. And we delight to do your will. Lead us, Lord, into the center of your will in the week to come. We now commit ourselves to thee and may the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with your redeemed people now and evermore. Amen. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his
This is Pastor Ian Golliher, and you're listening to Let the Bible Speak. Just want to draw your attention to the words in Philippians chapter 2, which greatly back up the lesson we have learned in the history of Nebuchadnezzar and how he was humbled from his pride and brought to confess faith in the God of heaven. And this is the gospel call to all men. Here in Philippians chapter 2, we are told that there were seven steps for our Lord Jesus from the glory of heaven to the cross. And then there were seven steps from the indignation of the cross all the way back to heaven. And so the one who was humiliated, who was kneeled to a cruel, rugged cross, was highly exalted by the Father. We read in Philippians 2.9, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And here is the apostolic call to surrender your heart and life, to bow the knee to the Lord Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. And all who do so in this world will be saved. All who repent of their wicked ways and surrender their lives to the Lord they will have eternal life. But of course, the warning is that there will come a day when all the nations and all men will bow the knee to Christ as judge. The wicked shall be gathered together, and every knee will bow. Even the rebellious, even the kings and the wicked of this world who reject the gospel, who fly in the face of God, they shall be brought to that place where they too will bow the knee and surrender all to the Lord. And I call you today to give your heart and your soul to the Lord Jesus in personal repentance by calling on him to save you and change you and take the world out of your heart. And then you will be saved and you will be ready for heaven. And if I can be of any personal help, feel free to give me a call. But do stand by now for these closing You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. 
We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187-9058 Avenue, Surrey, B.C., V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway, on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak.